Today, Job Hammond will be preaching to us. Um, Job and his wife Bethany are missionaries with Rain Ministries. Um, they lead mission trips for youth uh, all over the world, literally all over the world. Uh, last summer they were in Nepal. They've been many, many other places. Uh, Job is a really, uh, a really gifted guy. And at EBF, one thing we're really passionate about is training up uh, future generations. So you may notice that Jason doesn't preach every Sunday. I don't lead worship. Every Sunday we think of ourselves like a teaching hospital where... It's, uh, it's people who come in and learn, and we just want to give them chances to, to take a swing. So I know you're going to be blessed by Job, uh, but let's go ahead and hear the word. All right. Thank you, Andy. I'm excited to be able to be here this morning, to be able to preach the sermon for you all. It's a, it's a big opportunity. It's very exciting and, and uh, interesting for me. And uh, uh, they told me I could preach on whatever I wanted to preach on. They gave me a totally open topic. So I decided to go with something that I've always found myself especially fascinated with. Um, that it's really given me a lot of trouble all my life. It's the will of God. And it's how we make our decisions in light of, of God's will. I think it's relevant. I know it's relevant for me. And I think it's relevant for our church as well. Because we always seem to be a church that's in transition one way or another. And, and even we're filled with people full of transition in their own lives. Um, so I think it's a question that as Christians... Uh, we know. We know it's our job to seek God's will for our life. Uh, we know we're supposed to make our choices and our decisions in accordance with His will. Um, but we run into trouble, or at least I feel like I do, when, uh, when there's no real clear answer to, to a question. When we don't really have the sense of certainty that we would like to have, um, and we know that we're supposed to move forward, we just don't know how. Um, and I think like, it, it frustrates me even more when I read the Old Testament. And I read God speaking to people in really, really clear, obvious ways. We have things like a talking mule and a burning bush, uh, audible voices from clouds and a dry fleece in the morning dew. All sorts of really creative ways God found to be able to communicate to believers exactly what he wanted them to do. And we don't seem to find those things in our daily life. We don't seem to have those crazy miracles. Um, And so I I want to explore the idea of, well, what do we do then? How do we figure out what God wants us to do? do How do I figure out his will? If if he wants me to pursue that, um, what am I supposed to do? And so that's where we're going to read Romans 12 too, way out of of, uh, order of what we've been going through in Romans. I'm skipping way ahead and just focusing on this one verse. Um, because I think Paul tells us really clearly, actually, really surprisingly well, exactly how we go about figuring out God's will for our lives. So, um, I'm going to do this. Let me open this up in prayer, and then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go in. But I also want to, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my own personal story of how I came to find my wife, Bethany, and then and I'll let you guys decide if, if you think it was God's will for us to be together or not. Let me pray. Father, we, uh, we pray that this morning, that as we read um, Romans 12, 2, uh, that you would teach us something new about your will, and that we would learn to see things from a different perspective, and that we would learn to be surrendered to what you want us to do, and, and learn to gain some certainty, some clarity on how we go about figuring that out. So would you speak to us this morning, and open up our minds to what you would have us learn about you and what you want from us. And you pray, and you might pray, amen. Okay, so Bethany and I met the summer after we both graduated from high school. Uh, we had both signed up to go on mission trips with an organization called Rain Ministries. We work for them now. Um, but uh, but we had, we, back then, we had just signed up to go as participants 
on these summer-long mission trips. She had signed up to go to China, and I was going to Ireland. <clears throat> and we had training camp together at the same place at the same time. Um, so we, we found ourselves bumping into each other at this training camp. And I, I don't know, I can't speak for her, but when I saw her curly brown hair and that great big old smile, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about, uh, that was it for me. It was over. I was, I was sold. I was crazy for her. And I, I just wanted to find any chance I could to try to get to know more about her and learn more. And I really had no idea if she was interested in me at all. But, uh, but we, we just found little ways, like I, any way I could. And we really weren't supposed to be dating. And, and so we weren't. We tried to play it cool. But we still found little ways to flirt and to get to know each other. And I even managed to snag up her email address before we went off to our mission trips. And, uh, and I hung on to her email address. I, I uh, got in touch with her after we were home from the summer and started emailing. And, uh, and lo and behold, it was true she was, in fact, interested in me too, which is awesome. And not only that, what made it so much better is the fact that we were both planning on going to college at the very same place. That is, Moody Bible Institute, just down here in Chicago. And, uh, and so we were, like, this is perfect, right? This is so a match made in heaven. And so she was planning on starting right away that fall. I had waited a year until the next fall um, to start. And, but, you know, by the time it came, we were together at college, dating each other, and, uh, and loving it. And it was awesome growing and getting more and more serious all the time, uh, whatever serious means, I guess. And, uh, and what happens, though, and what, what's interesting about Moody, what makes Moody Bible Institute a, kind of a unique college, is that if you're going go to go to school there, you have to express some, or you have the expectation that you are planning on going into some kind of full-time ministry. So whether it's you're going to be a pastor or a teacher in a Christian school, or you're going to be a missionary or something, vocational ministry related. That's, that's, what, that's what the education whole system is, is designed around, students who are studying to go into ministry. And that was true for Bethany and I. She wanted to be a, a missionary. She wanted to uh, do ministry cross-culturally and go live overseas and, and minister with women and I think Asia or something. And, and so she was planning on being a missionary overseas. And I had it in mind. I was planning on being a pastor in the States. I was going to be preaching and teaching like a, like a mini Jason. I was going to be, you know, be a pastor of a church. And, and, you know, that was my dream is to bring life into, you know, dying American churches. And so I wanted to be a pastor in the, in the States. And so, um, and so that fit well for us. We wanted to go into ministry. Um, and, uh, and so we, we were moved forward. But you can imagine kind of the tension that started to develop for us in our relationship. Because here we are getting more and more serious when at the same time, we both have very different visions for where our lives were going. Our futures did not look like each other at all. And, and we eventually were coming to this inevitable crossroads that we were going to have to decide between this call that we believed God had put on our lives to go do this job or our desire to be together in a relationship. And so... Um, you know, we got there, and I think Bethany got there just a little bit before I did, because I got dumped, um, and it came as a surprise. But it was, it was like, it was inevitable, because we wanted to protect this vision, this what we thought God wanted us to do with ourselves. Um, and so we broke up. And it was like, I think we broke up for like four months or five months or something. And during that time, though, things like, our, our, the way we thought about our relationship, the way we thought about God's will for us and our, our future in ministry started to kind of change and, and started to evolve for both of us independently of each other. 
I definitely found myself thinking like more and more and more in the, in the months after the breakup. I just, I still wanted to be with her. I still wanted to, I still couldn't not get over her. I wanted to be with her. I like, that, that's what I wanted. And so, and I started kind of, my desire for all this, this future ministry plans that I had started to change for my desire to be with her. And, uh, and so like, and God was kind of doing the same thing in Bethany at the very same time. And we both came to this conclusion that maybe, maybe God was calling us more to each other than he was to these very specific futures, these very specific vocations. Maybe he was calling us to just go and be together and just see what happened in the future and let him determine those steps later on. And for this point, just have a relationship with each other. And we decided, because I, we wanted to decide that, that that was the best option for us. So we got back together. We, we reconnected that fall. We were back at Moody, and, uh, and we struck up the relationship again, and it took off really quick. It didn't take very long. I, I think it was, okay, it was eight months ago, eight years ago to this month that I proposed to her, and then six months after that, we got married. Um, and it was just a, a, an interesting time, though, as I look back, that God was teaching me something very contrary to what I previously believed about his will for me and how I understood and interpreted how God revealed his will and how he led me in my life. And, um, and so I think we're going to, I'm going to read Paul, sorry, Romans 12 too, because Paul gives us, I think, some really important advice on this and how we discern that and how we make those decisions. And so I'm going to read for you now. Romans 12 too says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, before I go really far, I want to acknowledge the fact that uh, the will of God is a really huge topic. It's a really complicated one. There's a lot of very differing theological perspectives on it. And, uh, and we definitely don't have the luxury of being exhaustive today. And I would not be the one to try. But what, we, what I'm going to do is I want to focus really specifically on our, our part in the process of God's will. The things that he wants us to know and how we figure those things out so that we can make our decisions and, and make our choices accordingly. So with that in mind, let me highlight a, a few important things in this verse that we need, to, we need to know about. In that first half of the verse, Paul sets up uh, a dichotomy for us to live by. He, he says we have the world. He says you can be conformed to the world or be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I think it's valuable to note that we don't get a third option of just being passive and doing whatever we want. It's as if there are two wills that are vying for ours. Uh, we have the world's or we have God's will. And we can choose God's will. And if we don't choose God's will, we are going to default to the, the patterns of this world. We are going to default to conformity to this world. So um, I'm going to assume that none of us want to choose to conform to this world. So instead, we choose to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. So I think it's probably really important then that we understand these words transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I really think that if we dive into these, these statements, we're going to learn a lot about God's will. And so we're going to ask Paul questions. We're going to ask Paul three questions about God's will, okay? 
And, uh, and we're going we're gonna to investigate his answers to those questions. The first question we're going to ask Paul is, what kind of people are we supposed to be? The second question is, how are we getting there? And the third question is, how can we be certain of what God wants? How can we be sure? So we ask Paul our first question. How do, what kind of people are we supposed to be? And his answer to us is transformed. We're supposed to be transformed people. Uh, in, this Paul, in this passage, Paul tells us to be transformed. And to understand what transformed means, it's going to help us if we think about Romans as a whole. Because if you remember the last two Sundays, if you were here, Pastor Jason preached a lot about sin, our condition in sin, where we stand with God, and and just how serious our sin is. Um, And then as we continue on in in our our process through Romans, we're going to hear a lot about the law. Uh, Paul's going to talk a lot about how the law is used to identify the sin in our lives. It's used to point it out and, uh, and how we are slaves to it. That without Christ, we are slaves to sin. We are slaves to the law. And then we're going to hear a lot about Christ and how Christ makes us a new creation that by the, his work on the cross and by who he is and by his gift of the Holy Spirit, Christ makes us new. He makes us into something we weren't before before we had Christ. Uh, He he uses terms like the old self and the new self, um, or new creation. He talks about us as being slaves to sin and going from being slaves to sin to being slaves to righteousness. This is that transformation um, that, uh, that we're undergoing. We are being transformed into people of righteousness. And then in, the, in kind of the immediate context here in Romans 12, verse 1, the verse just before this, um, Paul says to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, to present ourselves as living sacrifices. Um, and, and we can imagine that presenting ourselves as we're living sacrifices, not dying sacrifices. So it's not a one-off event, but we continue to live um, and, this is, and that, that kind of really tells us that this is a, a lifelong process of submitting ourselves to being transformed into that new creation. Um, he's not calling us to end our lives, but rather to lay down that old self, as Paul calls it, um, that old sinner that used to be a slave to sin, so that he can replace us with a new creation. God is replacing the person that we once were with somebody entirely New, somebody who is righteous, something who is important. Um, and that is, that's so important to understand where we stand with God and, and what he thinks of us. Um, in Romans 8, verses 1 and 2, he says, Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. So when Paul tra- drops that word, transformed, to be transformed, he's talking about our transformation into righteous people. Perfect people. The perfect people that God wants us to be, and he is making us that way. Um, his will for us is to be righteous. And the only way that's even possible is because Christ gave us his spirit. So we now have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That, uh, that after Christ was resurrected, he sent the spirit to live inside of us, so that when we come to Christ, we're baptized in the spirit. And it dwells within us. 
we have to know this. This is really important if we want to understand God's will, that the Holy Spirit lives in us. So already, just in answering this first question, we have some really good insight onto how we understand God's will for us. Because we know now what kind of, what kind of people we're supposed to be. Uh, we're, 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 we're supposed to be righteous. So we can view our decisions in light of that, in light of who God wants us to be. It helps us if we ask ourselves decisions like, um, like, you know, is, is this really going to, you know, is this what the world wants? Or is this really what God wants for me? Is this building into the kind of person that I'm supposed to be? Am I giving the Spirit a chance to transform me into the person that I am supposed to become? Um, or, or am I just going with the easiest option? Am I going with what the world wants me to do? Um, Questions like these, they, they help us gain perspective on our questions, on our, on our decisions. And they also help to expose some of our bad motives. Things like, you know, motives that can, that can drive us, like success and money and comfort and convenience. When we understand who we are supposed to be. And so, having our answered question that we now know, you know, who are we, what kind of people are we supposed to be? Paul's answer is transformed. Um, and our next question then is, how are we getting there? How are we getting to be transformed? He answers that question also by saying, by the renewal of your mind. By mind renewal. We are having our minds renewed. Now, the best way I can think of to describe having our minds renewed, I, I, I have to apologize, I think for this illustration that I'm about to tell because it's a mountain biking illustration. And other than me, I, I doubt that very many other people here care a whole lot about mountain biking. Uh, but this is how I can best imagine this process of mind renewal. You see, for any mountain biker, anybody who's like building the skills and getting better, there's one really important lesson that if you learn this lesson, this one principle, then it's going to help you ma- become a really, really good mountain biker. Uh, that lesson is really simple. It's your eyes are going to follow the path of your front wheel. Your eyes are always going to follow the path of your front wheel. Of course, your back wheel is, has to front, follow your front wheel. If your front wheel is following your eyes, then inevitably you're going to go, as long as you look at the place that you want your bike to go, um, you're going to go in that direction, right? Really simple, because how are you going to turn, how are you going to steer your bike in a direction you're not looking at? And what happens then when you're mountain biking, you're cruising down the path, inevitably, and this is kind of the point, you see an obstacle come up in front of you. It could be a tree or a rock or a hole or an animal. And whatever is something that you don't want to hit. And, uh, and as you're coming to it, instinct all of a sudden starts to kick in. Your, your gut reaction. And you start thinking to yourself, don't hit that, don't hit that, don't hit that, miss, 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 miss. And your eyes immediately focus on that obstacle. You're entranced by it, you're focused on it because it's a huge problem. And how are you... Ca- going to deal with the problem unless you're focused on it. So you're looking at this problem, you're staring at it, and all that happens every time you run straight into it and you crash your bike. So what, what you need to do then is when you see those obstacles, to train yourself to focus not on the problem, not on the obstacle, but on just that two-inch strip of path that you want your bike to actually go. You focus on where you want your wheel to go, not where you don't want it to go. And if you can master that, if you can f- 
force yourself to fight your instincts and to focus on where you want to go, you will find, surprisingly, that your bike is going to follow exactly that path and it's going to navigate you right around your obstacle. Really simple. And uh, it makes a big difference. And I really think that this is what it means to have our minds renewed. To learn to think differently about everything. To learn to think differently, to reason differently, to react differently. We learn to think and process information in a whole new way. We learn to think differently about everything. A good example, I think, is when we, we look at Christ in the Gospels, and we, we see Jesus, you know, doing his ministry, and when he encounters somebody who's a really nasty sinner, like a prostitute or a thief or anybody, and, uh, and you see his reaction to them is to treat them with kindness, to treat them with dignity and respect, which is often totally to, to the surprise of everybody else in the room. And so we see, and then what happens is, when our own lives, when we're, you know, we find ourselves messing up and making mistakes and, and feeling really like we've messed everything up and we're screwing it all up, and we start believing these lies like, I'm such a loser. Why can't I get this straight? I'm messing this up. This is, you know, why am I? We get fed up with ourselves and frustrated with ourselves and, and totally down on, on who we are and what we're capable of uh, because surely I've screwed it all up. I actually had a student who came on me with, uh, on a mission trip last summer to Nepal. He emailed me this week, and it was just that conversation. He was kind of unloading all these frustrations he had with himself, that he had learned all these important things in, in being trained in ministry overseas, and now here he was at home struggling over and over again with sin issues, struggling with his own problems. And he, he said in his email that uh, he made the statement, I just feel so useless. And, uh, and, you know, I just want to grab him and shake him. You know, you want to rattle him around and be like, dude, that is not, that's not true. We know this. We know that that's not true because in God's value system, he cares about the people um, that have weaknesses. In his weakness, we are made strong in him. And so, but we have to think differently about ourselves. We have to learn to think differently about our problems and, and to have our minds, to renew our minds in the way we look at sin. Another example, I think, for this um, is when we see, uh, where am I? yeah, so when we see, like, situations where somebody sins against us, right? When we see somebody do something that offends us or hurts us, and our reaction, our instinct is to want to see them pay for that sin, right? That's what we feel inside. We want them to suffer for that, or we want revenge, or we want them to at least regret having done it. Um, and yet, when we look at the, what Christ teaches us in the Gospels and, and the message of the Bible is that we forgive. We always forgive. The 40, you know, 7 times 70. And uh, the greater the, the offense, the greater the grace. That we are supposed to view other people's sins as opportunities, as a good thing in that we get to demonstrate God's grace when we otherwise could not. So backwards from the way the world teaches us to think. But that's what God wants us to do, is to think differently, to renew our minds and take a new perspective um, that is so unlike the old one we had when we were slaves to sin. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He says, think about these things. 
So we know that God is in us. God is living in us as his spirit. And he's at work within us. He's changing the way we think. And he does that by teaching us. And, and so this is where we really can look at Scripture and understand what he's trying to teach us in Scripture. It's not just rules. It's not just, you know, guidelines that we abide by. It's learning to understand a new system. It's learning to think about things the way God thinks about them, to care about the things that God cares about, to see things from his perspective, and to make godly decisions. So then, then when we read Romans 5, 8, I'm sorry, 8, 5, Romans 8, 5, it says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. So now God has empowered us to think. We still have to engage our mind in, in the, the work of God in our lives. And when we do this, we will find inevitably that our priorities have changed, our responses to things like sin have changed, and we have been immersed in God, godly things. We've been immersed in things like Scripture. Uh, we've been a part of the church. And these things teach us to think differently. So when it comes to our decisions, those choices that we have to make that we want God's guidance on, we now have, we've been learning things that God has been teaching us all along. We've been immersed in God's value system, and we can make choices that are informed. Decisions that are informed by God, informed by the God within and informed by God through his church, informed by God through scriptures, informed decisions. So God is teaching us to think differently. We are being renewed by our minds. Our minds are being renewed. <clears throat> so, now we know what kind of people we're supposed to be transformed. We also know um, how we're being transformed. That is, through the renewal of our minds. And that happens with the help of the Holy Spirit, because, of course, Without, our minds would deceive us. And so we come to our third question that we have to ask Paul, and that is, how can we be sure? How can we be certain of what God wants? When we come to make a decision, um, how do we be sure? Um, and I want to I start by saying, I can tell you how we don't be sure. I can tell you how we don't look for certainty. We don't look for certainty in superstition and miraculous signs like talking mules and dry fleeces in the morning dew. That's all superstition. Because what happens is, you know, it, you're in the moment and you're kind of wishing God would just tell you what to do. You just, you want, you're ready to be obedient. You just need clarity. You just need God to tell you. And so you're praying prayers like, oh God, just strike something with lightning and I'll know that you want me to go forward and do this. And this, this is what you want me to do. I can even remember early on in Bethany ministry when we joined staff at Rain and like, like Andy said, we're missionaries, so we have to raise our support. Um, and early on in the process, it didn't go very well for us at all. Like, I was not doing well with this whole support-raising thing. And I wasn't having very much success. And I got really frustrated. And in my mind, I started to entertain some of these thoughts, like, maybe God's just saying, you need to do something else. You know, maybe, maybe when, you know, this is going bad, that's God just saying, hey, you should stop and do something different. Um, because as if he's going to give me some sort of omen that's going to tell me to stop doing, doing the ministry that I know he's called me to do. And, uh, and it, but it's easy to entertain those ideas to want to look for those external commands. And I think what's happening here when we do this, when I do this, is we're forgetting something really, really important. You see, we have something that they didn't have in the Old Testament. 
we have something that, that is different. Something has changed. And that something is the Holy Spirit living in us. God is in us. They didn't have that. If, if they were going to be obedient to God, it had to come from an external command. There was no indwelling of the Holy Spirit for them. And so God had to tell them flat out what to do. And so now when we are here living with the Spirit inside of us, with us all the time, going where we go, doing what we do, making our decisions with us, and we go and ask God for an external sign, it's almost like we are asking God for the law again when he's already given us grace. He has given us his spirit, and yet we're asking for something else. And yet, but he calls us to listen to the spirit within us, that the spirit dwells in us, and we have its guidance, and we have to listen to it and pay attention to it. So we have to be done with external commands. And that's not to suggest God doesn't do miracles uh, and use other circumstances in our life to speak to us and to teach us wisdom. But it is to say he's not going to strike something with lightning or he's not going to give you a, you know, a certain, I don't know, mistaken coffee drink at Starbucks um, to tell you that you're making a mistake tomorrow or something like that. We have to be done with those kinds of immature thinking. Okay. So, knowing then that wishing for signs, hoping for omens and miracles to tell us what God's will is, is not going to work for us. It's not going to give us that certainty we're looking for. Um, When we find ourselves faced with a tough decision, looking for those miraculous signs, um, that we should probably take note of the fact that when we are looking for those signs, that, that he's already giving it to us. He's already given us that sign. It's called the Holy Spirit. It's living in us. And it might just be telling you to just get off your butt and actually make a decision already. So no more miraculous signs. So if you want certainty, though, in your decisions, <clears throat> I think there are some things that he gives us that will give us a whole lot more certainty, that will prove to us what God's will is. So this is, this, is, this is important. Okay, we talked about, the first thing I'm going to throw out is Scripture. We've talked about that a little bit already. God gives us Scripture to teach us how to think. It teaches us how to understand the world from God's eyes, to view things from His perspective. So it's so important that we're spending a lot of time trying to learn as much as we can from Scripture because it teaches us how God thinks. It teaches us God, what God thinks of us and what He thinks of sin and everything else. And it also teaches us what kind, of, what kind of people we're supposed to be. But another way that, if, you know, if you're still looking for more certainty outside of Scripture, another way we find it is in the church. Because we have to recognize that we are not lone wolves, that God's will doesn't revolve solely around us as individuals. God's will is for the church. He's building His kingdom on earth, and He has a plan, and we're a part of it, but we have to recognize that we're a small part of it. And that we are, we are contributing to it by our participation in the church. And so we can assume that God's will is for us to be a part of the church and for our decisions to benefit the church, to benefit his work on earth. And, uh, and not only that, but we also are getting a lot of wisdom from the church. We're getting a lot of help from people like Pastor Jason preaching and other people in our ethos communities and members and people in our lives who will speak wisdom into us and speak to us with honesty. He's put those things in our lives to teach us how to live, to teach us his will. So we're a part of the church to be a part of something much bigger than ourselves and to continue on to fulfill the will of God. So we have scripture and we have the church. Now, if that's not enough for you, 
If that doesn't give you the certainty that you're looking for, there's one more place I think we can really find it. We can absolutely find certainty in God's will. Proverbs 21, I'm sorry, Proverbs 19.21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. We have certainty over our decisions because of God's sovereignty. That's it. Because of God's sovereignty. God gives us the freedom and the ability to think, to make decisions, because he knows that his spirit is within us and that his spirit is not going to lead us astray from God's will. We are not going to mess up God's plans for us. His hand is in every aspect of our lives. It's in everything that we do. He's with us everywhere we go. Even in our bad decisions, because in those, he is teaching us, he is transforming us to be the kind of people of righteousness that we're supposed to be. And because of the transformation, and with the help of the Holy Spirit, we are able to renew our minds, to think for ourselves, and to make godly decisions. God makes it possible for us to see the difference between what is of the Spirit and what is of the world, so that we can discern what his will is. And in that, he's teaching us his will. Now, Bethany and my story continues. I said I ended where we got married, but we didn't stop there. In fact, after we got married, we just started right away, pretty much the next week, coming to EBF and making this our home and our church. And about a year later, that next summer, we decided that we would jump in the car and do a little road trip down to that old training camp where we had met early on. And, uh, and so we, it's like a four-hour drive from, from here in Evanston, and we jump in the car, and we're driving down the road, and somewhere about halfway through, kind of randomly, kind of out of the blue, Bethany turns over to me, and she says, hey, what if we joined staff at Rain Ministries and became mission trip leaders? And it's not something I'd ever thought about before, and certainly I, not anything I had really ever been interested in before, but, uh, but for whatever reason, in that moment when she said it, it just lit something up in me. And I, I knew that this was a great opportunity. This really could be what was next for us. Because we had just been working jobs in the marketplace. We hadn't really started the, the, our, our vocational ministry yet, but we still wanted to. Um, and so this just presented itself as an extraordinary opportunity. And of course, we talked to the leadership at Rain to see if it was even possible. We talked to people like Pastor John and Layla to get some advice and what they thought and other people in our lives. And everybody's really thumbs up and... and all things go. So we went for it. We, we decided to join this ministry and to, in, in hopes of this is really what God's will was for us, is to do this ministry. And now when I look back on it, when I look back early on to our time at, in, in college, when I really wanted to be working in a church and, you know, helping people in the States to get this vision for God for their lives and, and understand what God wants to do with them and and Bethany, she wanted to do cross-cultural ministry overseas. And now we work for a ministry. We're in the summertime, we're overseas, doing cross-cultural ministry. During the year, we're here in, in the States, working with a variety of churches all over the country, working with high school students, discipling them and training them in mission so that they can understand what God has for them. I even get to preach in my own church. I mean, I, we're, all those desires, all that vision that God had given us so early on, those passions... He's using them completely. It's all come full circle. It has not gone according to plan at all. It's not how I imagined it early on. But here I can say, I can look back and see the hand of God in all those weird moments, even getting broken up and getting back together. And all that time, God was working to bring us into this point of life where he would 
fulfill these opportunities for us. It's so exciting to see that, man, I really am doing God's will. That's awesome. And he's not even done yet, right? There's still a whole lot of future, I hope, to go to see him continue on that plan. So I think as Christians, our certainty comes from the promise that God's spirit is alive in us. And his spirit is helping us to make our decisions. When we are uncertain, we listen to the lessons God has been teaching us all along. We test every decision against God's standard of righteousness and what we know to be true, the lessons he has taught us. And we move forward in faith. And we rest in the knowledge that the Spirit is guiding us. Our certainty comes from God's sovereignty and what he has empowered us to do, which is to think. Let's pray. Father, we do praise you for the work that you've done in our lives, even the things that we're not aware of in which you have fulfilled your will in us. Um, Lord, we pray that you would teach us how to live in a way that's driven, in a way that's dedicated to who you are and to what you want from us. Lord, that we would learn to be transformed, that we would learn to have our minds renewed, to think differently about everything, and that we would hear your voice and see your hand in every circumstance of our lives and have the ability and the, the, the know-how to be able to make a decision that you would want us to make. Lord, help us to make godly decisions and have the courage to go for it. In your name I pray, amen.